in your copy of the Word of God, turn with me to John. John chapter number 8. Next Sunday morning, I will begin my 22nd year of full-time service to Main Street Church. And the reason I tell you that is because as I close out year number 21, I just want to say to you that I have never, ever experienced the joy of pastoring the way I have experienced it this summer and, and, and this day. It has been so much fun uh, to be your pastor. Uh, my heart rejoices that as I look back on the summer and I think about all those folks that worked so hard in vacation Bible school, I think about the almost 2,500 children that we fed through our summer, uh, summer feeding program. The kids that gave their heart to Jesus Christ during basketball camp. The folks that uh, took the gospel to Boston. I think about last Sunday and how the talent family came who have uh, given up everything to serve the Lord. They uh, walked away from their home and their church and everything to go plant a church. And, and as they came and worshipped with us Sunday, y'all gave $3,000 in the love offering. And we're going to bless that family with this offering. Last Sunday evening, as our Rocky Top recovery, some of you came and blessed us there with a, a donation of almost $700. I'm so excited about the last Friday of every month, and this excites me. It's probably going to scare you, but the last Friday of every month for the rest of the school year, there's going to be about 300 students from Lakes Elementary School come here to hear the Word of God. Why does that excite you? It's, it excites me because, because if, if you're faithful to God, God will open up the doors. Pastor Wayne, how'd you pull that off? Well, they called me. And on the first Saturday in October, all you single ladies can get your oil changed for free. I'm not fooling with you old hairy-legged boys, but you single ladies will change your oil. We'll give you a new oil filter. And if you're part of Main Street Church, I'm going to ask you a question and you say, yes, amen. If you're excited to be a part of a church that's sharing the gospel and trying to make a difference in the lost and dying world, you say, yes. Turn with me in your copy of the Word to the book of John. John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8, verse number 12. Jesus said these words. Jesus then spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus, for the second time in the Gospel of John, is saying this, I am. You remember two weeks ago when we were in John chapter number 6, and Jesus was on the mountain there with His disciples. And, and, and these people came to Him, 5,000 men plus women and children, and John, uh, Jesus took the bread and the loaves, and he broke them and he blessed them and he fed the, the, the uh, 5,000 men plus the women and children. Once everyone had been fed, they took up 12 basketfuls. The disciples, they even had more than they wanted. And then it come to John chapter 6, verse number 35. Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. Bread in the Scripture speaks of necessity. It speaks of need. When uh, Scriptures talk about 
give us this day our daily bread. It talks about how Jesus Christ is our provision and how He meets our needs on a daily basis. In the wilderness, as, as those people pass through the, the, the wilderness, the manna fell from heaven. And Jesus, as He prayed, Give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus Christ meets all our needs according to His riches and glory. And the child of God needs to learn to lean on Jesus. Now here we are in John chapter number 8, verse number 12, where Jesus has now made a second I am statement, saying, I am the bread of life. Now, one thing you'll have to say about my preaching is that I am careful to make sure when I preach the Word of God that I give you context. When you read a passage of Scripture in John chapter 8, verse number 12, you need to stop and you need to say, whoa, 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 we're starting in the middle of a book, in the middle of a chapter. Where are we here? You have to back up to John chapter number 7, verse number 1, to get the context. John chapter 1, verse number 7 says this. John chapter 7, verse number 1 says this. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for He did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill Him. Anytime you read in the book of John, where John talks about the Jews, you need to know that he is referring to those religious leaders who sought to kill Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't go to Judea because the Jews sought to kill Him. Now, the Feast of Tabernacle was at hand. Six months have passed since Jesus said, I am the bread of life. It was a time of Passover in John chapter number 6 when everyone came to Jesus and He fed them bread. Now it's six months later. He is now the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. I told you several weeks ago, that Jesus' earthly ministry lasted 42 months. In John chapter number 7, He is in about number 36, month number 36. He's six months from the cross, and it's the Feast of Tabernacle. His brothers therefore said to Him, Depart from here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. The Feast of Tabernacles, well, the best way to describe that was par D. Celebration. They sang that song, Celebration Time. You ever heard that? It's in your hymnal. Just pick it up. It's number 435, I believe it. it but Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to ask you a question and don't raise your hand. Have you ever been to Mardi Gras? That's kind of what this was. I've never been to Mardi Gras, but I've been on Bourbon Street on New Year's Eve. And you're talking about a party. Tabernacles, this feast, is it's a time when the Jews are celebrating. They're celebrating God's goodness as God led them 40 years through the wilderness. They would come to Jerusalem on, at the Feast of Tabernacles and they would bring uh, 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 palm branches and they would make little booths, little tents, little houses, tabernacles they called them. And they would put a light in there. And every house had to be within a Sabbath day's journey or it had to be within a half a mile of the temple. And they came at this exciting time of the year and they were celebrating. And Jesus had four biological brothers. Jesus had a brother named James. 
He had a brother named Joseph. He had a brother named Judas. And he had a brother named Simon. Isn't it interesting that Jesus had a brother named Judas? Jesus also had a brother named James. And these four brothers, we're going to read here in just a minute. At this moment in John chapter number 7, they don't believe who he says he is. But James becomes a believer and he goes on later to write a, a, a book in, in the New Testament. Verse number 4 says, For no one does these things. This is uh, Jesus' brothers talking to him. For no one does these things while he is in secret. He seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For his brothers did not believe in him. You know what? It's harder to walk with the Lord before your family than anywhere else in the world. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is already. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, and its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not yet going up to the feast, for my time has not fully come. When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. Now look at verse number 14. Now at the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and he taught. His brother said, go, go down to the tabernacle, feast of tabernacles, and do these great miracles. If you are who you say you are, go do it. You ever heard of a guy, uh, all you football fans, you ever heard of a guy by the name of Bum Phillips? No relation to me. He was the head football coach of the Houston Oilers. And Bum Phillips used to say this, if you could say it and then you can do it, well, that ain't bragging. And if Jesus can say that I am the Messiah and then he can raise up a dead person, that ain't bragging. And that his brothers want him to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. He wants to show him. So even you can even show us that you are who you say you are. And Jesus said, I'm not going. The feast lasts seven days. Jesus said, I'm not going yet. And on the first day of the, t- uh, the feast, the second day of the feast, these people are gathered in Jerusalem and the party and the dancing is taking place and everybody's having a good time. And Jesus, in verse number 14, on about day number 4, He shows up at the temple. And He begins to teach. He's teaching. He's not doing any miracles. All He's doing is teaching. It's day number 4 of the feast. Jesus went privately to the feast. Verse number 15 says, And the Jews, those who sought to kill Him, the Jews marveled, saying, What does this man, verse 15 says, how does this man know letters, having never studied? See, only rabbis and scholars taught at the temple. And here's Jesus teaching. Now, if I were a rabbi and you were one of my followers, You would leave your family at about the age of 13 or 14 and you'd come follow me. And you would do everything I do. You would say everything I say. You would always quote me verbatim. You would never take anything I said and add to it or take away from it. You would follow me day and night. You'd forsake your family. You'd forsake everything. You just want to be in my presence and hear me teach. 13, 14 years old, you do that all these years. And when you become 30 years old, you become your own rabbi and you get your own disciples. 
And here is Jesus sitting at the Feast of Tabernacles on day number four, sitting there at the temple, and he's teaching. And these Jews, all these scholars, these religious leaders, they are were astonished. The Bible says they marveled. This is what it was. They, they were shocked. And they said, how can this man teach this way? Who taught him? Is he a carpenter or is he a rabbi? And the answer is yes. And he sat there and he taught. And, 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 and he taught and the Jews were, were, were so upset with his teaching. This is day number four. Remember, this feast lasts seven days. And on the seventh day, the Bible always talks about the seventh day of the feast being the great day. First day, second day, the Jews, they just kind of blew those days off. But as closer it got to day seven, everybody was there. And Jesus was teaching and people were being astonished by His teaching. The religious people, they hired the temple guard and the temple guard were sitting at the temple and they were listening to Him teach. And they would say, if he says anything wrong, if he says anything out of order, you, you arrest him and you bring him to us. And then in verse number 37, the Bible says this, on the last day, the great day of the feast, on day number seven, the Feast of Tabernacles, the priest would at 12 noon, at six, the sixth hour, would go down to the pool of Siloam and he would take a, a pitcher of water from the pool and he would come to the temple area and he would, the crowd would part, all the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the scribes and all the scholars, and this priest would pour water right down the, the center aisle of all those uh, religious people. He would pour all, uh, water around the altar. He did that for six days. On the seventh day, he would go to the pool and he would bring water and he would pour it down the aisle. And then when he got to the altar, he would make a Jericho march around the altar. He'd do it seven times. This is where we are in verse number 37. And on that last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out. This is what Jesus did not do. Excuse me. Excuse me, Jesus didn't do that. In the midst of all of that religious stuff, let me tell you, religion will send you to hell. In the midst of all that religious stuff, in the midst of all of those religious people, there's an altar, there's the temple. It's all Old Testament stuff. And Jesus stood up in the midst of all of that religious stuff. And what did He do? He cried out. He cried out in a loud voice. And you were, you know, when he was walking through Jericho and there was this blind guy, his name was Bartimaeus. You know what Bartimaeus did? He cried out. You know what Peter did when he was sinking and he was going down and Jesus reached down and pulled him up out of the water? You know what? He was crying out. This is the exact same word that John uses here. Jesus cried out and said, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, not the convention, not the party, not the religious system. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And you know what? He stood up there in the midst of all that religion. And the temple guard stood there and listened to that. And they went back and their Jews, the religious leaders said, why did you not arrest him? It's all in John chapter 7. 
Why did you not arrest him like you were commanded to do? Those temple guards looked at the religious leaders and said, have you heard him preach? People talk about him raising dead people. People talk about him giving sight to the blind and changing water. I don't know about anything, but have you heard him preach? This guy is different. And we stood there in his presence and, and we had a reason to arrest him. But you know what? Have you heard him preach? Jesus cried out to the people. Do you know that God has always hated darkness? Genesis chapter number 1 will back me up. In Genesis chapter number 1, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What did He create? Heavens and the earth. The word created there means that, that, that He created heavens and earth out of nothing. Heavens, plural. I know that there are at least three heavens. When you look up into the sky and you see the stars and the moon, that's a heaven. There's a, a little Hubble telescope that can even look farther beyond that, look past the moon and the stars, and that's what they call the second heaven, something you cannot see with the naked eye. And then the Apostle Paul said he was called up in the, to the third heaven, a place where the abode of God is. See, God created the heavens and the earth. And verse number 2 speaks of the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the east and the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The, the, the initial description of the earth was formless and void. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. This term, uh, formless and void, it, uh, uh, the phrase implies that the earth, it lacked order and it lacked content. Formless and void, that's, that's a phrase in the English, but in the Hebrew, it's one word, and this is the only Hebrew word I know. It's the Hebrew word, tahoabohu. And it means garbage dump. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. It lacked substance. It lacked content. This was a mess. As the great theologian off the mountain said, this was a gong. Darkness over the face of the deep implies the lack of light. The Spirit hovering over creates the sense of expectation. Something's about to happen. The heavens and the earth has been created. The earth is formless and void. And, and darkness is, is covering this, this place. But the Spirit of God is hovering. And this is a great place to teach salvation person who has been created by God but has never made Jesus Christ Lord of their life. They're a creation of God and God loves them. Red, yellow, black, white. All, there's not a culture, there's not a person on the face of the earth that Jesus Christ does not love. 
But those people that don't have that personal relationship, their life is formless and void or a tahoe-wa-bohu. It's a garbage dump. It, 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 it's a mess. It, it, it's lacking something. This is the exact same thing as that Spirit of God is, is hovering over that dark, dark place there before the earth is fully developed. He's, it's the same thing happened in, in Luke chapter number 1 with the little Virgin Mary. The angel appeared to her. And the angel said, I, uh, you have found favor with God and, and you're going to have a baby. How can this be? I have never known a man. And the Spirit of God overshadowed her and impregnated her with the Son of God. That's exactly what happens at you at salvation. You... You come under conviction and the Spirit of God begins to teach you and, and, and convict you of your sin. You give your heart to Jesus Christ and all of a sudden, Jesus Christ is born in your heart. The first thing the Creator of heaven and earth did was separate the light from the darkness. Pastor, you started in John chapter 8, verse number 12, where Jesus said, I am the the light of the world. And you've preached John 7. You've preached Genesis 1. When are you going to get to John 8, 12? I'm almost there. In John chapter number 8, beginning in the first 11 verses, I'm going to tell you something. Don't get mad at me. You just go home and study it out. John chapter 8, verse first 11 verses is, is one of my favorite passages. I've preached it many times. It's about the adulterous woman that's taken and uh, that before Jesus, she had been caught in adultery. The Bible says she was caught in the very act. Here's what Bible scholars tell us. That the first 11 verses of John chapter number 8 was not in the original text. In the oldest writings that we have in the Bible, the first 11 verses were not there of John chapter number 8. It makes a little bit of sense because when you read John chapter number 7 and you find that, that they are at this feast, of past, uh, this feast of tabernacles and everybody is... Uh, celebrating and everybody's having a good time and the temple guard has gone before the priest and all of a sudden in verse number 12 of, of, of John 8 the Bible says this then Jesus spoke to them saying I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the gift of life listen I'm going to preach that verse in just a second but watch I want to show you something look at verse number 20 Jesus is in Jerusalem Jesus is at the feast Verse number 20 says, These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as He taught in the temple. The temple was a segregated place. There was only certain people allowed in certain places. But Jesus was in, in the place of the treasury. There was behind Jesus, for the lack of a better word, there was 13 offering plates. And Based on what type of offering you were bringing, you placed it in one of those 13 offerings. But, but here's what you need to know. It was the court of women. It was the, 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 the uh, part of the temple where everybody's welcome. If you're going to put an offering plate somewhere, what are you going to do? You're going to put it where everybody's welcome, even the women. Now, you women, you're not allowed to come past this line, but please place your offering right here. In a place where... Everybody is welcome. Everybody is drawn to this place in that setting. Thank you, Pastor, for giving us context. In that setting, it would get dark and all the priests, they would light these big candelabras 
and all of a sudden a dark place would be all, all of a sudden lit up. And it was at that moment in that place that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Watch this. Jesus spoke, saying, this is what he said, I am. Jesus said, I am. The light of the world. In this context, in this setting, this is what Jesus Christ did not say. I am a light in the world. Jesus, in that religious setting with all those religious people, all those Jews, they knew exactly what he was saying. They were familiar with the Old Testament book of Isaiah where the prophet talked about he was the light. Jesus said, as they lit those candles and as, as the darkness became like the light of day, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The world has no other light except Jesus. That's the only light there is. According to Wikipedia, there are 9,990 different types of world religion. Listen. I am a child of God. I've been saved. They say Christianity is one of those 9,990 religions. You know what? I disagree. I am not a religious person. I am a person that is in relationship with Jesus Christ. And He is the light of the world. There is no other light. He who... Right there's an interesting word, isn't it? He who follows. I'm going to ask you a question and don't raise your hand. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? The word Christian appears three times in the New Testament. When Jesus talked about those people that followed him, he didn't call them Christian, he called them disciples, he called them followers. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Are you following someone other than Jesus Christ? Then you're walking in darkness. No, 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 Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, and 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 uh, I don't, I don't follow Jesus. But, but, but I pray, and, and 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 I pray to God. Let me tell you something. You're walking in darkness. There is no other light except Jesus Christ. You walk in darkness, and you have not the light. But who He follows Him has the light of the world. There, listen. The only world, the, the world has no other light other than Jesus. All the world needs Jesus. There is no other light. There is no other name given to man under heaven that we might be saved except the name of Jesus. That is the only name given to us. And I love it when, Oprah, when people... When people say, oh, that's so narrow-minded. You can only be saved in the name of Jesus, and that's so narrow-minded. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you've got a, a million dollars in the bank. I don't care if you don't have a pot to spit in. I don't care 
If you're red, yellow, black, and white, I don't care who you are. I don't care what culture you come from. I don't care what you have or what you don't have. The way is Jesus Christ. There, there is. What can be more fair than that? I could preach on that for a while, but we're talking about the light. The world was made for the light. When God saw that there was darkness, the Bible said, God said, let there be light. And you know what happened? There was light. God does not want this world to, to be dark. Darkness in Scripture speaks of sin. The Bible says that Jesus was the light of the world and He came into the world and the, and, and, and the darkness comprehended it not. Light, the light exposes sin. The light of the world exposes sin. When you follow Jesus, the closer you get to Him, the more God He becomes, the more holy He becomes, the more sinful you see yourself. The light exposes sin. The light enables us to see the goodness of God. Yes, I've been in His presence and I have the light has exposed my sin. But the light has also exposed to me the grace and the mercy and the goodness and the forgiveness of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a light that tells me that I don't have to die in a lost and dying world. It's like going to the doctor. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, I got some bad news and I got some good news. The bad news is you got cancer. But the good news is, is we, we caught it early. You know what? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But those of us who have walked before Jesus and we have seen the light, He has exposed our sin and He has caught it early. He has caught it early and through His own precious blood, He can cure us of our, our sin. And one of these days when I stand before God according to 2 Corinthians 5 verse number 10, all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll give an account of all the things that we've done in the flesh, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And the light will shine upon me and my sin will be exposed and I will be scared to death. And Jesus is going to say, it's okay because we caught it early. Last Wednesday evening as we sat in my office, Macy and I were there and, and as we began to talk and... Uh, began to spend some time together. She prayed to receive Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. I explained to Macy, I said, 16 years of sin is gone. It is cast as far as the east is from the west. At this moment, you are a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. Hey, you have been sin sick, but praise God, we caught it early. One day, this world will be filled with light. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 22, verse number 5, the Bible says, There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light. Can you imagine? There's coming a day when the world will be filled with light. All darkness. One day, all darkness will be gone. It will be expelled. 
You go back to the book of Genesis and you go to the Garden of Eden and you find that this perfect place and there's this man and this woman, uh, Eve, and, and they're placed in this garden and it's perfect, it's sinless, but in that garden is lurking the enemy. One of these days, it's all going to be gone. It's all going to be gone. And this light, this, this world is going to be filled with light. That's why Jesus talks about hell as outer darkness. John chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 22, Jesus talks about this place, hell, this outer darkness, where there's wailing and there's gnashing of teeth. I can't under, explain it. I, I, I don't have a, enough understanding here to understand this, but this world is going to be filled with light. There's going to be no darkness at all. All sin is going to be done with. But somewhere in the outer darkness, there's going to be a place called hell where people are eternally Think about that word. Where people are eternally separated. They're not dead. They are eternally separated from the light. And Jesus called it outer darkness. Can you imagine? Can you? People talk about hell. They talk about the flame. They talk about where the worm dies. Can you imagine a place of complete and total darkness? And you're alive and well, and you don't know from which which way the blow's coming. And somebody said, "Well, there's there's a flame in hell. There's fire in hell, and the flame, the fire is going to produce a light." Don't get caught up in that because God can take care of that. It's a place of outer darkness. And there is no light in this place called hell. Jesus is the only one who saves you from the outer darkness. It's the only one. The Bible says that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's bad news. The bad news is that, that sin has uh, entered into our lives and the sin has separated us from God. But the light has exposed that sin. If you die in that sin, you die, you go to a place of outer darkness, you are completely and totally separated from God for eternity. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you Jesus Christ came, and if we find Him, if we, if we receive the light and we receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, when I die, both the sinner and the saint are going to die. The sinner dies in his sin. I die in his righteousness. And when I stand before that judgment seat and He exposes my sin, He's going to say, it's okay, child of God, because we called it early and my blood has cured you. Enter into thy great reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. I am, Jesus said, the light of the world. He said in John 6 that I'm the bread of life. He meets all of our needs. Let me tell you something. Your greatest need, your greatest need is salvation. If you're here this morning and you have never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you need to stop worrying about the classes that you're taking. You need to stop worrying about the person that you're dating. You need to stop worrying about your marriage. You need to stop worrying about your job. You need to be concerned about this. Hey, I'm eternally separated from the light. I'm walking in darkness, and one of these days I'm going to be cast into eternal darkness. What can I do about that? You know what? Praise God, you can do something about it today. The Bible says this. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. 
You didn't miss your chance yesterday. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation is very simple. I praise the Lord that God made salvation simple. All you have to do is know that you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says we've all done it. The Bible says that, that once you realize that you've sinned and come short, all you have to know is that Jesus Christ is God's Son. God's Son came to earth. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin that you and I have done. They put him on the cross. He died, paid for our sin. They laid him in the grave. Three days later, he rose again. All you got to do is believe that. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and that he died on the cross and that he rose again? Do you believe that? Say amen. Then you're half saved. You know what? There's no such thing as being half saved. You admit, you believe, and you confess him as Lord. Lord, I want to give my life to you. I'm talking not just forgiving my sin, not just casting as far as from the east, but I give you my life. I ask you to be the boss, the CEO, the Lord of my life. I'm asking you to take over. Would you like at this moment to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Bow your head, please. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Maybe for the very first time you've realized that you're lost. You're walking in darkness. You're walking apart from Christ. You're walking apart from the light of the world. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to give you a very simple step. You just pray. Pray what? You pray this prayer that I'm going to lead you and pray this. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, if you're lost and you never served uh, ask Jesus to save you. Just pray this in your heart, dear Lord Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you are God's Son. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe you rose again. I ask you to forgive me. Save me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Did you pray that prayer? If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. If you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. Let's turn the hand real high if you prayed it for the very first time. I see your hands. The Lord saw. Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And if you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life today, I need you to come. I want you to come make that decision public. This invitation is not just for salvation. This is for people who just want to come and pray. This is for people who want to join our church. If you need to move, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. I want you to come on this very first.